This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Welcome to Mom in Mind. I'm perinatal psychologist and host, Dr. Kat. There's more to the story than just postpartum depression. And this podcast aims to share it all from personal stories and lived experience to experts who break down the ups and downs of life from getting pregnant, pregnancy, perinatal loss, and postpartum adjustment to parenthood. While this is not psychotherapy or medical advice, it is all of the stuff you ever wanted to know about mental health and new parenthood. Welcome back to the Mom and Mind podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. On our episode today, we are going to be talking about the importance of pelvic health. And man, I wish I had known this when I was pregnant and postpartum with my first. It is incredibly important. You're going to hear why and how important it is from our guest today, Dr. Laura Williams. She is a doctor of physical therapy and board certified women's health clinical specialist. She lives and practices in Colorado with her husband, three-year-old daughter, and second child on the way. She founded Hearth Healing, a 100% virtual postpartum healing service as a pelvic health consultant. Though not a substitute for in-person healthcare, postpartum healing consultation should be viewed as a vital way to bridge the gap in maternal care. People deserve information about how to improve symptoms that impact their quality of life, after childbirth without having to wait months or feel limited by a lack of childcare or transportation. At Hearth, Laura provides individualized answers to postpartum healing questions, early healing strategies, self-management advice, and guidance on appropriate resources, products, and providers. She is talking with us today about really the lack of information about healing after childbirth, let alone what you can do during pregnancy or that there are even options during pregnancy for pelvic health. She shares with us some of the symptoms after childbirth that people might be experiencing that are common, but not necessarily normal, meaning they should not be accepted long-term. There are options for health that are relatively easy to get to, but you know, because we are not informed about pelvic health or that even we can get help for things like pain, she's going to tell us a little bit about how and why that help is important. Specifically, as pelvic health does impact mental health and your ability to care for yourself, and as Laura puts it, ability to care for your community as well. I'm really excited to get you guys this info, and I hope it is not the last time you hear about the importance of pelvic health, specifically in the 
pregnancy, birth, and postpartum world. Let's meet Laura. Welcome, Laura. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. I am super excited to have you tell us all about pelvic health and what that even means. I think for some people, this might be the first time they're hearing about it. Other people are going to be, you know, listening to this saying, yes, 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 talk about it and tell everyone because of just how important it is. So yeah, please let us know what is pelvic health. Sure. So I am a doctor of physical therapy. That is my profession. And I was trained as a generalist. So I treat everything across the lifespan. Um, I work in a rural setting. So I see lots of conditions that are not necessarily pelvic health specific. But since the beginning of my practice as a physical therapist, I've specialized and really honed in on pelvic health and have since also acquired my board certification as a women's health clinical specialist. So what pelvic health is, is addressing issues surrounding the pelvis. And I I specifically treat women. Pelvic health does apply to men as well. So I deal in things that have to do with pelvic floor pain. So pain with intercourse, pain with bowel and bladder function, intra-abdominal pain, things like endometriosis, dysmenorrhea, painful periods, and such. Mm -hmm. And I also deal with bowel and bladder dysfunction. So urinary incontinence, constipation, fecal leakage, those kinds of things. And I specialize in obstetrics as well. So I treat women across four trimesters. Really, I think of it as five trimesters. Ooh, same more so, about that. Yeah. <laughs> so the first three being during pregnancy, mm-hmm. um, I encourage people to come to me at any point during pregnancy. And I like to highlight that you don't have to be in pain to see a pelvic floor physical therapist. Oh my gosh. Yes. Pregnancy. Yes. So just being pregnant by nature is a massive physiological and biomechanical transformation that warrants support Mm -hmm. and that warrants expert understanding of your unique changes and how to help you really stay functional and stay active throughout your pregnancy Mm -hmm. and comfortable. And then we treat people at any point postpartum from day one to week six and so on. We think of that first 12 weeks postpartum as the fourth trimester. And then I consider the fifth trimester being return to work, return to sport. A lot of that acute healing has happened, but now your body is starting to undergo more demand Mm. mentally, emotionally, Mm -hmm. and making sure that we've laid a really strong foundation to approach that fifth trimester well, without a lot of ongoing sequela and dysfunction. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. I haven't heard Yet if somebody describe it in that way of like back to like this increased amount of stress on the body after that fourth trimester, but it makes a ton of sense when you say it. I know just with like sort of standard traditional Western medicine, postpartum is like, you know, barely given a month to six weeks to eight weeks, but this is like you're saying a long healing process. Yes. That doesn't end there, right? Right, I mean, right, right. Our bodies are forever changed. Mm-hmm. We're always postpartum. So, you know, the in our country, we typically see our physician, OB, midwife weekly leading up to pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as a baby's born, we're sort of discarded until six weeks postpartum. We get that one touchstone appointment that's for us mm-hmm. and we're sent on our way. Right. And most people are not getting support from zero to six weeks at all. And then the majority of people that I talk to across the country are barely screened at that six-week visit for anything having to do with quality of life. 
right? So if you don't have an infection, yeah. if you're not, you don't have a clot, you're able to walk, you're able to care for your child. And then as far as they're concerned, and as far as most physicians are trained to be concerned, you're good, right? You're good mm. to go. And they're not asking the screening questions that really you're probably feeling that most postpartum people are probably feeling and wondering about, but don't feel like they have a safe space to ask the questions. Oh, totally. So I'm really passionate about empowering people to understand how to prepare for postpartum and how to be their own advocates in that postpartum period to ask for the resources that they know exist. Mm -hmm. that may not just be being offered to them Mm -hmm. and to know that is the appropriate time to ask those questions at that six week appointment. For sure. And ACOG has been recommending seeing a maternal health care provider at three weeks for a long time, like since 2018. Mm-hmm. And that's still just not the standard of care. Oh, like it hasn't yet kind of trickled down into the actual OB office. So yes. everyone's still working off the six week model kind of exactly. Hmm. Welp, I wonder how long it's going to take to change that. <laughs> that's a massive systems change. Yep. yep. Oh, exactly. right. So there's, you're not really getting to talk to any. Which is tough because, I mean, those appointments are already hard to come by. So mm-hmm. if you need to see somebody sooner than expected or you have questions, like you're saying, um, yeah, how, how are you going to get in touch with somebody in a way that feels meaningful and useful? Right. That's really tough. I want to circle back real quick to something that you were saying that I think is really important that like, because when people talk about pelvic health or like, you know, maybe I can reframe it and say like the general public, general population, when you think of pelvis, you think of like mm, sexual organs mostly Mm -hmm. because it's, you know, sort of used uh, loosely as a way to describe what's happening if you have a pelvic pain. But you're saying also that we're talking about bowel function. And I don't, you know, think people are thinking of bowels as part of the the pelvic region. Yeah. So that's a great thing to circle back to. Pelvic health has everything to do with bowel and bladder dysfunction. And those are two systems that are very, very specifically impacted by pregnancy and delivery by any mode. So not just specific to like the perinatal period. Mm. I think in our culture, we've really made talking about bowel and bladder function very unattainable. Mm very stigmatized. Mm -hmm. And so people live with these things forever, for a long time, accept them as part of aging, a part of delivery, a part of postpartum, Mm -hmm. and just don't seek care that's actually really accessible and usually very successful and conservative. Mm -hmm. So what do you mean by conservative? Yeah. So I mean, Mm non-invasive. So a lot of times... Oh, this is such a loaded question that you just asked me. Um, <laughs> we, ha- we have a little bit of time. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. the big picture is that too much of the time people are being offered really invasive procedures, surgeries that are unnecessary to treat problems affecting the bowel and bladder. Mm-hmm. So urinary leakage, mm. typically a multifaceted approach, including kind of behavioral modification. So the mental component of how we relate to our bladder what we put in our system. So hydration, diet, bladder irritants, and then the biomechanical piece of how we manage pressure well in our system. So how we breathe when we move, mm-hmm. all of those things really affect our bladder function. And by improving those things, or by looking at those three columns, those sort of three pillars that impact bladder function, typically most people can make tremendous progress, but our system isn't built to let people take that conservative, maybe a little bit longer approach Mm -hmm. first, 
it's built to do the most expensive thing, right? That provides mm-hmm. money um, to the healthcare system. Puts money like back procedures and surgeries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But often I find like in four visits, right? In a un- pretty uncomplicated situation where somebody has stress urinary incontinence where they're leaking with coughing, sneezing, laughing, or urge urinary incontinence where they feel like they have to rush to the bathroom. It takes about four visits for that person to see tremendous improvement, like 60 to 80% improvement. But once someone's had a procedure, so say someone has some pelvic organ prolapse or some heaviness in the pelvic floor, a procedure was done. Maybe that procedure is starting to fail at 10 years because that person never really was taught how to support that procedure, right? Because we don't offer, we don't encourage people to get PT after these kinds of surgeries like we do with other musculoskeletal surgeries. Whoa, like mind blown. Um, You're so right. Yeah. Like almost every procedure, you have to go to physical therapy afterward. Right. Oh. But if you have a pelvic organ prolapse and someone just puts in a sling, mm-hmm. they typically don't send you to pelvic PT after the mm-hmm. fact mm-hmm. to teach you how to integrate that sling and how to re-educate those muscles that have been inhibited by surgery, let alone years and years of vaginal wall descent. Wow. So then they come to me 10 years later mm. and it's harder. It's not impossible to still create change, sure. but it's yeah. definitely harder. Mm-hmm. And the same thing goes for bowel dysfunction. You know, people don't want to yeah. talk about it. They don't feel comfortable asking the questions. Right. But the same rules apply, right? What are you eating? What are you drinking? How are you hydrating? What's the inflammation like in your system? What are the behavioral pieces behind that? What's your relationship to food? What's the mm. re- relationship to your toileting habits? Mm. What's your positioning on the toilet? And those are things that are all within our purview that can yeah. make a huge difference for people. Wow. Yeah. I just like whoever's listening, that <laughs> this is like potentially so much great, you know, new and new information to just kind of sit with and absorb and maybe like rewind and re-listen to. Because to all of your points, it's just not discussed. And let alone women's <laughs> women's health or sexual health in general reproductive health, any of that. It's just super duper important because it's, it's almost like in, if I can be sort of dramatic for a second, like in medical systems, this is like almost like a void, the pelvic area, the pelvic health as you're describing. It's, I don't know how many times I've personally heard just, oh, just take birth control if you, or like, oh, you have pain, that's normal. Mm-hmm. And it's just like almost untouched like very literally in terms of understanding like what's going on, but not even addressed or talked about. So this is all like super duper important info. And I think coming off of your episode, two episodes ago, I think about unwell women Mm -hmm. that got me really fired up. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. All of that stuff. (laughs) All of that messaging about Mm -hmm. like the deep seatedness of Mm -hmm. not listening to women, not believing women, disempowering women, disembodying women. And, you know, bowel and bladder function apply to men too. But I think because we're specifically here to talk about kind of this perinatal period, yeah, this speaks to, you know, just how much we sort of put up with and endure, particularly postpartum. And a lot of these things that we're talking about, bowel and bladder dysfunction specifically, are so critical in that time, but women aren't given the space to to process that that's something that's impacting their ability to care for themselves and care for their children. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, 
is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. I mean, I'm really interested also to hone in on that, uh, like care for themselves and care for their children, because of course... (laughs) Even if you're, I mean, I'll let you talk about it, obviously. You're saying even if there's not pain, there might be some dysfunction or somehow impacting how that person is feeling just physically, but also mentally. Yes. So, you know, part of the reason that I was really drawn to pelvic PT is because I feel like you said, like, this is not a place that is touched both physically Mm -hmm. and sort of metaphorically, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. part of it is that a lot of doctors aren't trained right? Mm -hmm. To screen for these things. Mm -hmm. They don't know the scope of our practice. I think pelvic health as a part of the physical therapy profession is about 15 years old now. So in the grand scheme of medicine, that's still relatively new. And we're doing Mm -hmm. a lot of education still with physicians, Yeah, but it is like this black box in the body, right? Mm -hmm. That people are afraid of. It's delicate to talk about. Often it is trauma-informed care. And so that makes it particularly unique and requires Mm -hmm. additional training. Yeah. But when I think about my practice as a pelvic health practitioner, I really think it's made me a much better generalist because Mm. we can't treat a whole person without acknowledging that this part of our system exists. Totally. And that dysfunction in this part of our system affects our whole body, our whole habitus, right? So Mm -hmm. yes, sometimes it is sometimes it is painful, right? Sometimes we are losing certain function. I think of sexual intercourse as an activity of daily living. Mm -hmm. You lose your ability to be intimate with your partner because of directly because of painful intercourse, dyspareunia, Mm -hmm. or because you've lost this self-efficacy in the sense of home in your body and you just don't feel safe being intimate anymore. Mm -hmm. That's a function. That's a functional loss. And as physical therapists, our job is to help you maintain function and optimize quality of life. Mm. And when I talk about losing your ability to care for yourself and your family and your community, that's about that loss of, of self-efficacy, right? Mm-hmm. And self-confidence. And when we have something going on, like leakage, right? Postpartum, we have leakage. When we just stand up from a chair or right. we urgently have to run to the bathroom or we're at dinner with friends and we have to run to the restroom or mm-hmm. maybe a little bit farther down the line, now you're back to running and you're leaking with running and that's embarrassing or uncomfortable or frightening. 
that makes our world start to get smaller. Yeah. Right. We start to kind yeah. of move those things up and edge out of those spaces because of that shame. Yep. And then we lose sort of that sense of self-confidence and desire to be a louder voice, have more say, show up more fully, participate more. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that disembodied women raise disembodied children, you mm-hmm. know? So this whole notion that once we have babies, our whole life should be about raising our babies and we should let go of our sense of self and you don't matter anymore mm-hmm. is so contradictory to what we really need, which is to yeah. feel like really good in our skin yeah, and have that time carved out for self-care, yep. which may mean going to a pelvic health physical therapist and relaying down this motor plan so that you have good control and skills, right? Even if Mm -hmm. healing takes time, just having a plan can be really powerful. Yes. And then we're demonstrating to our children, I prioritize my wellness so that I can prioritize yours. Mm -hmm. And I encourage you to prioritize your own. Yeah. That is a a shift, a societal shift that has been really hard to change that taking care of yourself, you know, isn't selfish. Maybe that's a played out phrase, but it's super true. And I mean, the sort of domino effect that I was hearing when you were describing that is it maybe would be subtle at first, maybe not, depending on, you know, if there is injury or something like that, that needs more intensive healing. But I mean, that could go on for years, years, years and years. And if you're not, you don't have the information to know that this could be part of what's impacting you, but just specifically from a mental health perspective, connected to what you were saying is like, people don't blame that, like, oh, I have a pelvic health problem or pelvic floor dysfunction. That's why I'm depressed or that's why I'm anxious or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't get pinned on some physical thing. It becomes like, you know, a real physical thing. It becomes something's wrong with me. Like me, who I am. And that is really tough, especially when you're potentially had a birth that had trauma, mental, emotional, or physical, or yeah, whatever. You're just trying to figure out how to be a new parent. It gets so murky in there that it's, you wouldn't maybe necessarily think first, like, oh, I should check in and make sure my pelvic function is okay. Absolutely. And we have, we've normalized it. I mean, we know childbirth is trauma. It's physical trauma. However, your baby is delivered. And there's a, there's a, a real range, right? Now, whether it feels, I say that as it's physically traumatic. So mm-hmm. major injurious thing that happens to our bodies, whether there's trauma associated with that, right? Whether we'd say my birth was traumatic has a lot to do with so many other variables. Mm-hmm like the way we were treated, right. the agency we were that we felt we had, whether we gave informed consent throughout birth, how people put their hands on us afterward, what mm-hmm, was explained mm-hmm. to us versus mm-hmm. more time, right? Feeling rushed through the process. Those are the things that typically lead to like, that was a traumatic birth for yeah. me yeah. versus there may be grief around the way the process happened. There may be injury there. It may have been a cesarean was needed or some other intervention was needed. But if those things are explained along the way and people are given choice and they're understand mm-hmm. and they're given options, typically they come out on the other side, able to reconcile that and process that. Yep. But totally to what, to your point, when you're, when you've gone through something that felt traumatic 
And now, especially if it's your first baby, you're caring for an infant, which is a complete shock, no matter how prepared <laughs> you think prepared you think you are, right? Mm-hmm. It's something totally other. Yeah. You've lost your identity in terms of the way your days used to look or be structured. Oh, yeah. You're on this 24-7 schedule. You're completely exhausted. I call it like prisoner of war torture, sleep deprivation. <laughs> right? It's that level. And then you're expected to think through. I wonder what all my resources are and how I could best care for myself, right? <laughs> right, right, right. So that's yeah. why I think we need to put more onus back on the providers that are actually interfacing with people in this period mm-hmm. to do a better job of asking the right questions and screening. And until that happens, I'm making it my mission. And I think a lot of pelvic PTs agree that a lot of this preparation just has to happen prenatally. Yes. And it's really hard to put yourself in that mindset of what you're going to feel like postpartum because you really don't know when every postpartum experience is unique. Mm -hmm. But there are universal things that help that if we kind of stack the deck in our favor ahead of time can soften the blow and ensure that the right people are around you that can offer the services you don't even know you need. Right. But what are some things that people would would like tip them off that maybe they do need support if they haven't already like had that childbirth education. Yeah. How would somebody know to contact you or a pelvic PT? Sure. So just a baseline, if you've been pregnant and you've delivered a child that warrants either a consult or an in-person evaluation by a pelvic health physical therapist, period. Mm. And you do not have to wait six weeks to see one. So the reason we have that six week mark is that that's sort of when our acute healing phase is over. And that's when statistically infection risks go down. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we tell people nothing in the vagina for six weeks after delivery, like we're chomping at the bit. Right. Um, that's it. But there's right. so much in a pelvic PT's scope of practice that does not require doing any sort of internal evaluation. So that is part of what we do. We do evaluate the pelvic floor, the inside of the pelvis, right? The muscles that live on the inside of the pelvis with one gloved finger. So it's much less invasive than a gynecologic exam. Oh, okay. I think that's important to just share because I don't know if everyone knows that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, Those details are helpful because I, just as you were saying that, I'm thinking of like all the people who have kind of winced or been like, oh, I don't want anybody, you know, doing that. And maybe for very good reason, like you said, potentially there's like trauma there or they're just uncomfortable or whatever. But the more people know about what actually happens, I think the more yeah. likely they will be to reach out. Yeah. So what's paramount to us is trust and really building that relationship with our clients and our patients before we do anything ever that feels remotely invasive. So we always get consent. We always offer a chaperone and we always, we, I ask for consent at every visit. So mm-hmm. if I've been working with someone for six months, I still ask for consent before we do anything at all intimate, right? Right. Around the breast tissue area, around the pelvic floor. Mm -hmm. It's always my patient's choice. And there's never any pressure that that has to happen. There's so much information that we can glean without ever doing an internal exam. Mm -hmm. By the time we do an internal exam, it's usually because my client and myself believe that there's really valuable information that we need to gain from doing that, that Mm -hmm. we both want. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at things like the coordination of those muscles, just like the coordination of muscles anywhere else in your body, Mm. right? The strength Mm. of the muscles, but also, and often more importantly, the ability for those muscles to relax fully. Mm. Because when we've experienced trauma or we've experienced an injury, 
our body's response is not usually to just open up and lengthen and receive, right? It's to guard and shut down and close off and shorten. Right. And when our muscles live in a shortened position, then they aren't able to receive input as readily. They're not able to respond as effectively as they need Mm -hmm. to. So if your muscles are in a really shortened position and then you cough or sneeze and those muscles are already contracted and we need them to contract more to stop the flow of urine, they're unable to do that because they've been living in this really shortened position where they're not getting good blood flow and they're not getting good oxygenation. Fascinating, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so a lot of times it's about offering input to those muscles to encourage them to relax, to get back through full range of motion. And we're also addressing things like scar tissue. So if you've had perineal tearing or other tearing from childbirth, that's something we want to address and that's something that can be moved and optimized. Um, so that's why we do internal exams, mm-hmm. right? But it's mm-hmm. certainly not at all the only thing we do. We're looking at the movement of your abdominal wall. We're moving your abdominal incisions. We're checking your visceral mobility. So how your organs are moving, mm-hmm. looking at your low back and your hips and your pelvis and asymmetries in the body and how muscles are balanced and firing and all these dramatic changes that happen during pregnancy that linger postpartum, sometimes just bringing the external muscles of the pelvis and low back back into balance can improve pelvic floor function. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I hope that people don't shy away from seeing pelvic PTs because of the internal component of it, because it's certainly something that never has to happen. Mm -hmm. And it would only be used sparingly in a really necessary circumstance. And it can be incredibly helpful when it's appropriate. For sure. Amazing. Thank you for that. Yeah. So helpful. You asked, you know, what would people look for? Yeah know that they needed to see a pelvic health PT. So I'm, I'm after, talking like specifically after, you know, childbirth. Mm-hmm. So I talk a lot about things that are common, but not normal. Mm-hmm. Right? But, yeah. Please expand on that as much as possible. Sure. It's an important distinction. Yeah. So the first one, which we've touched on a lot is urinary leakage. So this idea that we just oh. pee our pants a little forever because we had babies. Uh-huh, uh-huh. We've got to put that to bed. Uh-huh. So that's, this is, it's common. It happens a lot, but it's not normal. Meaning um, it shouldn't, it shouldn't, it shouldn't go on forever. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. So something that is common, it happens to a lot of people when your muscles are stretched to their max capacity during a, a vaginal delivery, or when you've had a cesarean birth and now you have layers of scar tissue all the way down to the bladder that will impact your bladder function. But that can all be re-coordinated and improved. Uh-huh. So it's not, you know, generationally, we've just been told this is just what happens. Uh-huh. And now we know more. Science knows more. We have uh-huh. evidence to prove that it can absolutely be remediated Awesome. with really simple strategies. They just need to be individualized. So that's something that you shouldn't have to live with. You shouldn't have to live with leakage with running, leakage with jumping, leakage with coughing, sneezing, picking up your kids forever. And if just physical therapy does not resolve those issues completely, there are tools, there are products that can help support the vaginal wall um, so that leakage doesn't happen during those more high impact times. Mm. The next one is pain with intercourse. Pain, Mm. you know, intercourse does not have to be painful forever after childbirth either. Um, And again, that is usually a product of too much tension in the tissue which is a guarding response to what it's been through. Uh, Right. And this is true, I assume, through, you know, like a vaginal birth where there was no no tearing or no specific injury all the way to 
when there when there is absolutely a, a, an injury. Absolutely. And I find that just as often I have people in my clinic that are that have experienced what on paper is a normal spontaneous vaginal delivery with no tearing mm-hmm. that are now experiencing things like heaviness in the pelvic floor, leakage with jumping, running, and so on, right? But didn't have anything traumatic happen on paper. Everything mm-hmm. went well on paper. Right. And other people who have had really wildly, what's the word I want to use? More invasive births or more injurious births where they did have a lot of injury and they did have a lot of pain, but they've recovered quickly and actually don't have any ongoing issues or had a had an emergency cesarean and are healing beautifully and don't have any dysfunction. So those people are still in my clinic, right? We're still helping close an, an abdominal separation and diastasis recti. Uh-huh. We're working on cesarean scar tissue. The pelvic floor and the deep core still need to be re-coordinated after just pregnancy, uh-huh. regardless of mode of delivery. There's still so much. Sometimes it's nice to just have 45 minutes of self-care in my clinic. <laughs> right? yeah. Um, So there's still so much that we're doing to support people regardless. Um, So those are two huge ones are, you know, urinary dysfunction and pain with intercourse. And then I would say anything else that interferes with your ability to get back to something you were doing prior to pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So low back pain, hip pain, those are things that you shouldn't have to just endure forever. Right. So I think that might be another thing people don't associate with pelvic floor function is hip pain. Yeah. And low back pain. You had to talk about that before, but that, yeah. How, why are those connected? (laughs) Sure. So when we're pregnant, our pelvic floor, you know, the muscles of our, our pelvic floor and our deepest layer of abdominal wall work together to just support us, support our Mm -hmm. spine, support our pelvis. And they get stretched so much during pregnancy that they, when our muscles are too lengthened, they're kind of inhibited and they don't communicate with each other as well. So after we deliver, those muscles are still in a lengthened position and it takes time for them to recoil. Mm-hmm. And without really re-engaging the pelvic floor and the deep core together in a specific way. So often I talk about kegeling and wrapping the deep core on an exhale or exhaling to exert. So every time you do the hard part of a movement, breathing out mm-hmm. so that you're releasing pressure somewhere safe and that pressure isn't pressing down on your pelvic floor, causing leakage or out into Mm. your diastasis or out into your low back or wherever that vulnerability is now in your body. If we don't lay down that groundwork and that foundation, our bodies are really smart and they're really resilient and they will figure out a way to keep you upright. But other muscles will take the place of the muscles that used to be really good at stabilization. Mm -hmm. And then we develop these Mm -hmm. biomechanical patterns that are much less efficient So we're using big mover muscles to do stabilizing work. And then we develop asymmetries. We overuse those muscles Mm -hmm. and we develop pain. Mm. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of the time, low back pain and hip pain as a sequela of childbirth, are sometimes it's because of childbirth positioning, which I could go on and on about (laughs) as well. But often it's because we just didn't get that good foundation back in place and went like, Mm -hmm. cool, I've been cleared at six weeks. I'm going to go for a run. Right? I'm going to uh-huh, go back uh-huh. to CrossFit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so our muscles aren't in the same coordination that they were prior to pregnancy. We're strategizing differently. Things take over that aren't efficient. And then we develop pain patterns. 
When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not gonna tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Man, as you're talking about this, education should be a part of everybody's. Yes. It's so sad how little we know about how our own bodies function. (sighs) Well, so here we are. We're talking about it. (laughs) This is part of that. Uh, I'm like, how do we fix everything? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So my answer to this problem, my solution to this problem, which is one small drop in the bucket is to try to be a virtual resource for people to bridge that gap from zero to six weeks, but also to, to be a virtual offering at any point postpartum. So there are also a lot of reasons that people can't get to pelvic PT in person on a weekly basis, certainly zero to six weeks, but even beyond that, right. We have no standard um, maternal care in this country. We have no standard leave policy. We have no paid leave. I personally am about to take 16 weeks of unpaid leave mm-hmm. by choice mm-hmm. um, because I want that time with my second child. And that is a priority for me, but it's a strain on my family and I'm, I have a doctorate, mm-hmm. right? lots of education. And so mm-hmm. the way we're not supporting people makes it really difficult for them to get these resources. If you have to go back to work at two weeks, how are you going to prioritize a pelvic health pe- visit every week? Um, and there's a transportation component and there's a yeah. childcare component. And if you have had a significant birth injury that potentially keeps you in the hospital for a prolonged period of time mm-hmm. or doesn't allow you to leave your home or you're having difficulty ambulating, those are all reasons mm-hmm. that people might not be able to get in to see us. As you're talking about it, I'm thinking of my my own personal experience trying to find a pelvic PT. Um, first of all, there were maybe two. Yes. Um, in my area that had adequate training. And when I say in my area, I mean within a 40-minute drive. Totally. That had adequate training that mm-hmm. understood specifically what um, my needs were. And when I tried to go through insurance, that was like nearly impossible to do. And then there's like 
figuring out how to do the out-of-pocket costs for something that you need. And there's, I don't know if you have the numbers on this, but as far as I understand, there are not enough properly, adequately trained people doing pelvic. I I ran across a couple of people that probably shouldn't have been telling people that they do pelvic PT. And I could only know that having gone to somebody who I knew to be highly trained specialist. Yep. You know, it's tough. That's a huge piece. And and then when you do find one, there's often a really long wait list because yes. of that, yes, right? Yes, so yes. then you're done with your fourth trimester by the time you even get in to see <laughs> someone. Right. And a lot of healing has happened. A lot mm-hmm. of scar tissue has been laid down. A lot of motor plans have been laid down. You've been living in pain for a long time or living with mm-hmm. dysfunction for mm-hmm. a long time. So um, there's a lot of problems associated with what you just described. And yeah, yeah, there's a big push in our field to train more people, like to get yeah. more people the sort of baseline fundamental information about how to treat the pelvic floor, which usually means taking a pelvic floor level one class, which teaches you the fundamentals of doing a safe internal vaginal exam. But it takes years of clinical practice and integration and yeah. um, lots and lots of specialty training to get to the point where you can treat these things well and to understand the, the nuance of it. Yeah. Oh, it's super rough because, I mean, we're here talking about how important this is. And then at the same time, other side of the coin, whatever, saying how hard it is to get into it, somebody who can help you. Right. Which, okay. So now I'm thinking like maybe these appointments should be sought for just like preemptively, proactively um, to have it set up. Yes. Um, But then, sorry, circling back to like, how do you do virtual pelvic support? Yeah. Sure. So- In my clinical practice, I see people, we have an incredibly well-established relationship with our physicians. So we have family practitioners, internists that do, that perform deliveries at our hospital. And they are, they send all of their patients that are pregnant to us, period. So during pregnancy, we're really educating people on what to expect postpartum. We do labor and delivery training that focuses on the biomechanics of birth. Everyone in our hospital is seen by an acute care physical therapist before they're discharged. So they get fundamental information about healing, regardless of how they delivered before they leave. Mm -hmm. And I encourage my patients to come back to me like at one or two weeks postpartum, not to wait six weeks anymore Mm -hmm. and schedule that visit. Yeah. Before their baby is born. Mm -hmm. That's an idealistic way of doing this. That's not the norm across the country and certainly not in big tertiary hospitals. Yeah. So my recommendation for sure is that everybody just goes to see a pelvic PT as part of their care team during pregnancy, no matter what, because you've established a relationship and it gives you an opportunity to find someone that you, re- that you resonate with and you feel safe with. Yeah, that's important. And then you're on the radar and you're on their schedule and they mm-hmm. can continue that care postpartum rather than you having to reestablish care. My virtual business is called Hearth Healing. And this was a response to what I was seeing in my friends having babies across the country um, and clients I was hearing from in other parts of the country that no one was screening for any sort of pelvic floor dysfunction. They were being discharged after childbirth with no information about their own intrinsic healing. Mm -hmm. And by the time they realized that pelvic PT was a thing, as you said, they either couldn't find someone in network, couldn't find someone local, or had to wait 12 weeks to see someone in person. Mm -hmm. And I just kept thinking there's got to be a better way. There's got to be. And so what I've created is an online virtual space where you can come to me and set up initially just an hour long consult. It's 100% cash pay. And my job is to help get people started. Mm. So 
I'm actually not working under my license. I'm working as a consultant. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm not doing is I'm not, I can't diagnose you. Right, right. I'm not doing any specific intervention. I can't do a full physical evaluation, right? I can't evaluate your pelvic floor over Zoom. Right. right. But I can glean a lot of information from a conversation and from watching a little bit of movement and get people started with really fundamental early healing strategies. So how to start to move better, how to start to lift more safely, Mm. how to start to re-educate their bowel and bladder. I offer products and resources and classes that they can start to implement right away. Tools they can use to self-mobilize their tissue, right? Mm. People can be working on their scars day zero. People can be um, using breathing techniques to lengthen and contract tissue and then help people understand where they need to go next and help people siphon out like the abundance of information on the internet. Right. Right. So there's tons of experts, there's <laughs> tons of influencers. Uh-huh. Some of them are phenomenal and offering really, really well curated information. And some of them are less experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the more important thing is that not every piece of information is right for every body. Yeah. Every stage of healing. Yeah. And so my real job as a virtual consultant is to help people understand where they are and what's right for them right now. Yeah. And then bridge that gap until they can't, you know, there's no substitute for in-person healthcare, but bridging that gap until someone can get in and talk to a real human in real life and be evaluated. For sure. Um, You just shouldn't have to wait so long to get some fundamental information. Uh, Yeah. You're you're so right. Uh, That just being able to have that support it like you were saying while you're waiting because that wait could be a really long yeah. time and from the comfort of your home mm-hmm. right my I always say like come as you are nursing naked with your wine with your coffee I don't care <laughs> that's part of the challenge yeah. right yeah. You yeah have your baby you're at home you're staring at your computer anyway meet with me for one hour I do offer follow-ups but I really feel like this just one hour of insight mm-hmm. and connection can be life-changing for people. And so that's what I'm trying to do. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think, and I I guess I assume that there aren't a lot of people doing what you're doing, specifically the virtual consultation, Mm -hmm. the bridging the gap um, part of this. Yeah. It's a facet of a lot of businesses. Like a lot of people that have private practice will do a telehealth visit or Mm -hmm. offer a free consult, but I really wanted to make this the backbone of the business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, I mean, just, I know we've only like touched on a little bit of, of all of the the stuff that you do. I mean, although we've touched on a lot of different points, but there's just, there's so much to know about pelvic health. And I, th- I think somebody had described it to me. One of the good pelvic physical therapists that I went to um, sort of showed me how, how like that pelvic floor is like holds up everything inside of us <laughs> and how, how incredibly important that is. Um, as to use some of the words you use as like our foundation, our, our center, our, where we find our strength. And man, it really does go through a lot during this pregnancy postpartum time. Yeah. Thank you so much for all of this information. It is so incredibly important. And I'm glad that we were able to hear from you and get some of that education out there, some of the information out there. And for people who are interested in learning more, they can go to uh, Instagram, uh, Your Hearth Healing, and that's the website as well, correct? Yep, yourhearthhealing.com. Thank you so much. And best of luck, best wishes to meeting your new one. Thank you so much. Thanks for tolerating my breathlessness. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's been a few weeks out. 
<laughs> no, you're, yeah, there's not a lot of room left yeah. for your lungs. <laughs> but I appreciate you having me. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Please find Laura and her services at yourhearthhealing.com on Instagram at yourhearthhealing and Facebook at hearthhealing. Look around in your area to see if there are providers who specialize in pelvic health, specifically as it relates to pregnancy and postpartum. Some of those providers are available and sometimes they are just not, which is why I think it's so incredibly important what Laura is doing to be able to provide information about what you're going through and potentially some options to support you in your early healing journey. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time. Please find the Mom and Mind podcast on momandmind.com or wellmindperinatal.com, where you can also find access to my free online mini course that is specifically designed for people experiencing anxiety in the postpartum period. Or you can learn more about the three and a half hour self-paced course that I created just for managing postpartum stress. You can also connect with us on social media at Mom and Mind on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for tuning in and learning more about perinatal mental health. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.